Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. Welcome to The Sweat Room, everybody. We're so honored that you have joined us for our 14th episode. Pretty exciting. So today, our guest is Cal Kern. Cal is a fun interview. He's a fun guy in general. He's been involved with various ministries since 1986, and he joined staff uh, as the Upstate New York Director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, in 1993, and he was also involved involved with uh, Family Life Network as a Christian radio representative. He's also a part of SCORE International currently, and he's the current University of Buffalo chaplain. Go Bulls. Shout out to the Bulls. He was also a professional athlete for a little bit. He played at Buffalo State College, and then in 1972, he was drafted in the first round by the North American Soccer League's Toronto Metros, also known as Toronto FC now, Um, and he'll dive into that on the podcast today. Cal is also married to his wife, Sherry. They have two children, and they have five grandchildren, and they currently live in Grand Island, New York. And what's also fun is his son is the current punter of the Tennessee Titans. So just as a reminder, too, if you could subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, that would be great. And here's our interview with Cal Kern. We want to welcome to the podcast Cal Kern. Welcome, Cal. So to start off, we want to ask a question. It may be a tough one, but if it comes down to it, Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, who are you rooting for? Do I have to answer this? <laughs> <laughs> we're recording, so uh, that's what, we're live what's the here. Okay. What's the answer? Okay. Um, maybe it's the team with the fewest covid cases <laughs> okay okay all right i'm kind of serious because you know teams are going to report at the end of this month and uh, if you have covid i guess you're quarantined for two months or two weeks not two mm, months but two true. weeks so if you have a key game coming up and you come down or you, you're diagnosed with covid you ain't gonna play yeah <laughs> right plain and simple so sure. uh, as far as talent on the talent side aside from covid i think it's pretty even mm. I think the Bills are legit. They're real. They're they're going to make some noise, and um, it's going to be good. Yeah. I think they're very close, uh, player for player, talent-wise, um, and they're both hungry to mm-hmm. really get to the top. And I love Coach McDermott. Yeah. I think he's a peach. I think he's a great coach, and he has faith. And Yeah, so it's going to be tough because I still follow the Bills, love the Bills. Mm-hmm. But come on. I got a boy in the NFL. I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I'd rather not have him out there at all. Well, as a Bills fan, I hope that your son gets a lot of playing time. Don't go there. <laughs> I knew that was coming up. We hope we see him ten times out there and his leg falls off. Um, no, I don't hope his leg falls off. I just hope he has to punt. Just a lot. A lot, yeah. Yeah. So, kind of just shifting gears a little bit. What Good. sport did you play growing up? What was, what was I, I played? Uh, oh, gee, I played baseball as my first sport, and um, love baseball to this day. It's probably my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. Even though I play pro soccer and I have a, a boy in the NFL, I love I love sports. Period. Mm-hmm. Anything about anything that you can throw, toss, kick. My backyard was uh, uh, the Masters course i mean i made my backyard a golf course yeah i had sand pits and water holes and then 
was also Wrigley Field. So <laughs> I had a net, like, uh, yeah, I, I just love sports. Yeah. And, but my favorite sport is, is actually baseball. And I grew up playing baseball until until I got the soccer thing going. Uh, I was in ninth grade, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, this team, the summer team, my next-door neighbor, I saw him dribbling a soccer ball next door, and he played on a summer team, and he, his, team's, his team needed a goalkeeper. And I can, I have hands, I can catch balls, but I can't dribble that round thing. Sure. <laughs> you know, back then it was rarer than anybody played soccer. It's not organized like it is now. Right. So I got a taste of being a goalkeeper in a summer team in the town of Tonawanda, and I loved it. Wow. I loved it. Mm. It was it was brutal soccer. I mean, it's nothing like soccer is today. But when you can catch the ball and you can elbow people, because the referee never saw what was going on in the goal mile, so I would, you know, I said, okay. Just they said, yourself. kick them, hit them with your elbows, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I, I can kind of buy into this. Yeah. I don't have to wear shoulder pads and helmets and all that stuff. Because sure. I played football one season, uh, ninth grade. Uh, I was 6'3", about 110 pounds. And I wasn't going to live playing this kind of sport. So I quit football because I got hooked on the soccer thing. I thought, why get my brains kicked in playing football when I can kick somebody else's brains in playing soccer. So that's when I switched from football to soccer in 10th grade. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, long, long story short, um, so in high school I was a goalkeeper, did pretty good, and then I went to Buff State and played there for four years uh, way back in the late 60s, early 70s, and back then before there were divisions one, two, and three, and double A and triple A and all that stuff, um, we were ranked fifth at Buffalo State, and I was an All-American twice. Wow! And uh, just had a really nice career, mm. but I wasn't a Christian, mm. and I had issues socially at Buff State. I was the the school had twelve girls to every guy. Like, okay, I got soccer and I have women. This is a pretty good deal, but I didn't know any better. And that was the culture back in the 70s with all the craziness going on back in that decade. So, um, yeah, so I'm leading up to, you know, you're asking me about my favorite sport. Well, I love baseball, but I like soccer. But it was through soccer that my life really changed. Mm. Uh, my parents were going through a divorce, and I was empty, didn't have peace. I know we hear that a lot, but it's true. When that God peace inside of us doesn't get filled, uh, we have issues, mm. and I had issues between drinking and womanizing and all that crazy stuff. And um, it was actually through soccer at Buffalo State uh, when a missionary, a campus missionary, it's kind of ironic because that's what I do over at the University of Buffalo, a campus yeah. missionary came in and asked the coach if he could speak to the team. Pure optional, purely optional, mm. which it is to this day. Can't force religion, faith, and especially on state campuses. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anyways, went to... Uh, the meeting after practice, and um, this is the first time, first time, guys, I really, really heard something that oh, I can kind of. This is this is another side of life. Of course, I thought it was religion, but I didn't realize it's all about hope, having our God peace filled, and all that. So I was really intrigued by what this. His name was Jim from University, and I was just riveted to what he was saying. I wanted to hear more and more and more and more, um, and then. Um, I could tell now why he was always tracking me down because he knew I was interested in the gospel. Sure. He knew there was a hunger there. There was no peace, frustration, all that stuff. And I went to Young Life meetings locally. And back then it was the long hair and the guitars and Jesus like, no, nah, this is not me. 
But when I heard truth, like it rang up mm. and I wanted to know more. And he bit into that and he would follow me to the pub and everywhere just to meet up and talk to me some more. And finally, I broke a meeting and that was it. He gave up and I continued my life of sin and recklessness and stupidity and, and all that stuff. And, um, and it was because of that, um, God, God definitely had his hand on my life. I could tell. So I said no to God. And okay, God was going to do some things in my life that really made my life even worse. I had a tryout for the Olympic team in 1972. And the night before the trial in Annapolis, Maryland, I was playing pickup basketball. You know how we just mess around, you know, just throwing around, throwing the ball around and being stupid. Well, I, I sprained my ankle the night before the tryout in Maryland, and I couldn't go. I had a legitimate shot to be on the 72 Olympic team. Well, as it turns out, that was a disaster. If you remember, I know it's before you guys, but in Germany, with everything that happened there at the Olympics. Sure. Um, so I um, couldn't try out, and then um, and then that was strike number one. And then the other thing to happen... How did you handle that? How did you handle, like, when, when you sprained your ankle during that time, what was... What was going through your head during that? Time? I am a stupid man. <laughs> that was not. I thought I was infallible. I thought there's, you know, I can do anything. Mm. But I really turned it because the next day when I got up to go to Maryland, I couldn't walk. Mm. Called my coach who was going to go with me. He goes, so tough. Wow. I don't know what he said. I don't think I can repeat it here. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that was an opportunity that just, I think God just said, you know, you're going to turn your back on me and walk away from me. I want to do something in your life, and you're saying, no, I can do it my own. No. Took that away. The other thing that really changed my life was, um, um, well, I got drafted. Let me back up a little bit. I got drafted in 1972. I was two-time All-American. I think I said that. But um, I was on the radar for professional soccer. Back then, before MLS, there was the North American Soccer League called NASL. And uh, they had their first collegiate draft. And uh, I was first team All-American. And uh, then the Toronto Metros, which are now Toronto FC, picked me third overall in the first round. Wow. Yeah. Which, which Big is, deal. It, well, until I found out that they also had two other keepers. The first, the first keeper was a, was a pro that was kind of winding down his career from England. Dick Howard, I remember his name. <laughs> One of the best goalkeepers in England lost a step or two and so when professional soccer players uh, outside of our country when they slow down a little bit they come to the states and play in the north american soccer league sure mm. because it's a little bit slower it's like triple a baseball sure well and you uh, still see that nowadays with the mls like you've got it's still the same deal zlatan ibrahimovic coming over to sort of finish That's impressive his you career. said that name how would you say that zlatan ibrahimovic say that 20 times that's right i'm impressed <laughs> well it's kind of the same deal because um they still want to play. They're good enough to play professionally, but they're not good enough to play in higher-end international soccer. Sure. Mm. So um, so the Rochester, well, I, that was my second team, but the, the Toronto team, I was probably the only American wow. uh, to be on the roster. Could you tell you're the only American? Yeah, just by not understanding what guys are saying. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was like, what are they saying? And then, but um, So I went up there, and I was saying Dick Howard was number one then they had the canadian 
professional they had a canadian their number one canadian goalkeeper was there too like hmm. wait a minute they're gonna keep two i'm an american which i hate to say it but uh sometimes people out there don't like us <laughs> but um yeah so i i'm thinking this isn't looking good why did they even draft me why couldn't yeah, they draft so they, me? They pick a keeper. They already have two good yeah, keepers. Yeah, so they're probably going to dump me just based on the fact I don't have the experience. I'm not all Canada. Hmm. I'm not somebody who played in premier soccer for 20 years and was a stud. Yeah. Um, and then in the airport, I ran into the, the owner of the Miami Gators, and he said, gee whiz, man, I would have, it would have been my goalkeeper. Wow. Oh, nuts. In Miami? Hmm, that's okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Palm trees instead of snow drifts? So, um, anyways... Uh, to kind of shorten this up a little bit, I went up there, trained, worked out, and then they released me like a week before their first game in Miami. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what am I going to do? So the Rochester Lancers, um, um, they were going down to play in the CONCACAF tournament. If you know soccer and you're familiar with CONCACAF, like that, it's sweet. What is that? Yeah, I'm not deal. familiar with that. Should I'm we not edu- a big soccer. It's, Educate it's, me. It's the, uh, CONCACAF. Uh, I don't know exactly me. what it stands for, but it's like the... North American, South American. Well, it's yeah, it stands for something, but it stands geographically for um, Canada, United States, and then the Caribbean countries. Yeah, oh, wow. and Mexico. But, and Mexico, yeah. but no South America. Yeah, so so South America has their own. North America. Has all their the own. like uh, Tobago and sure, Guatemala yeah. and mm-hmm. Costa Rica and all those. Those that was the Central whatever Central American blah 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 blah. But anyways, mm-hmm. it's quality soccer. Yeah. Wow. Like, oh boy. So they asked me, so Rochester knew I was available, and they asked me to travel with them for a month and play down in Guatemala City um, with the Rochester Lancers. Now, what they did back then is they would take the national champions of each country and then play off in this tournament for a month. So I had Cruz Azul from Mexico, Comunicaciones, and all these top-notch national teams playing in this tournament. So, I mean, so I, you know, I go down with, I travel down with the team, and... I forgot who we played in the first game. And I looked at the kind of soccer that's here. Oh, my word. What am I doing here? I'm the only college. There's two college guys yeah. on the Rochester Lancers. All the rest, there was an Italian coach who I had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> and uh, all the other guys were from Brazil all over the place. I was backing up the Brazilian goalkeeper, Claudio Campos. But the soccer I saw was unreal. Mm. And... Um, and I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I don't want to play. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm good as a backup. Sure. Because in one of the games, um, Claudio Campos, the keeper, went down. And the coach looked over at me, whatever he said and whatever he spoke. So I was shaking as I was tying my shoelaces, thinking, mm-hmm. there's 40,000 people in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, we can get 40 at Buff State games. Sure. And it was just a whole different environment. And... Um, and uh, so anyways, we were down there for a month and because uh, I'm leading up to something. So um, played in the tournament. Culturally, you want to ask me what the culture is like in professional sports? Even back in the 70s, it was pretty wretched. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. We went to places that they're not holding church here. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we finished out the tournament and never played in a game. Um, <clears throat> then they... Well, then, then what happened was, this is the turning point which I'm leading up to. And what really changed my life was um, playing a, we're playing a game against a German team, a visiting German team. And I was in the goal. And um, 
I can remember the play exactly. So this guy was coming down, this German guy's coming down the left side. I came out for a save, and he just steamrolled right over me. Mm. And next thing I knew, I was in a hospital. I had my left kneecap shattered. Wow. And back then, there weren't replacement knees or anything like that. They would pin it up. So my patella was, which is a main part of your knee, sure. it was pinned up. And uh, that was the beginning of my real journey to becoming a born-again believer, a mm. Christian, a Jesus follower. Because now my career was over. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, there's no way. I, I tried out for the indoor Buffalo Blizzard team here years ago. I, I had it up here. I had hands and eyes and coordination, but I can't get down. I can't move. Mm. So, so you I, lost your step there. I lost it. Lost the step. Mm. So when you lose your step, then it's... Then it's now church recreation softball teams and all this, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. Because um, so after, yeah, so after that incident, my life was changed, and uh, I pretty struggled. I struggled for about four years wow. until a friend of mine, who I played ball with at Buff State, there's something really good about friendship evangelism. He knew I was a partier guy, loved the clubs and disco, Motown, all that stuff. He would never go with me. He would go to Young Life meetings, and I'd go to the bars. He never got sucked into that. But out of the blue, this is crazy, out of the blue, this is how God works, out of the blue, he called me and said, want to come down to Liberty University and just hang out with me for a week? He's got this, it's a religious college, right? Yeah. Yeah, come on down. You know, that's when Liberty had, like, one building. Sure. You know, Jerry Falwell was the man, um, Jerry Falwell Sr., so I um, went down there for a week, April of 1976, and my life was changed. Wow. God had a plan. That's how God works, you know? He, mm-hmm. has, he just does things in his own timing. Never saw it coming. Why would I want to go down to Liberty University? No bars, no drinking, no girls. At least girls that, you know, yeah. girls I was looking for. Right. Sure. And it was a whole different lifestyle. I saw a, a testimony of how Christianity should be lived out. Yeah. And that meant so much to me. Nobody was preaching at me. Went to church every night. I remember asking Jim, is that all you guys do is go to church? But he had a great college and career group. And those guys influenced me in that week. And and uh, so after that week, um, I remember picking up a little Bible in a steak place down in Lynchburg. Why would I pick up a little pocket Bible? But on that trip from Lynchburg to Buffalo, God just hammered me. Mm-hmm. Like Paul's trip to Damascus. You know, Paul's, you know, the story about Paul, Mr. Mm-hmm. Religion, and he's killing Christians and all that stuff. So he goes, Paul goes from darkness to, but I didn't see any bright lights or anything like that because I'm driving my car. But I remember so much of how God was coming into my heart. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was going on other than I had God thoughts. And mm-hmm. I was just just so interested with just knowing more about God. That's so cool. I know it is, because I came back to Buffalo April 17th. It was the day before Easter. It's amazing you remember that. I remember it to the day. Coming up I-81, when I go down there to visit my daughter near Hagerstown, Maryland, when I drive on I-81, I still remember that. I came back a different person, totally different. Attitude, everything was was totally, totally different. And uh, I remember turning on all kinds of religious stuff on the radio. I turned off all the garbage music I was listening to, and I was hungry for God. And I remember coming back and meeting my parents for dinner, 
that Easter, and they thought I was they thought I was going to be selling flowers in the middle of a mall somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it was like <laughs> all I could talk about was Jesus. Yeah. And cool. I knew I knew something happened. I didn't understand it all. I don't even know if I really understood the idea of repenting and being forgiven of our sins. I knew God was, he was getting into me and he was going to help me figure it out. Because the next week, my friend Jim told me to go to this Presbyterian church on Grand Island. And uh, I didn't know anybody in there. So I walk in there and I didn't know, everybody's wearing suits and coats and ties like, okay. And the music... The music was like an organ, piano. Yeah. It's old traditional music, hymnals, and everybody's <laughs> decked out. And like I'm, I was probably wearing just a casual shirt, but which which tends to make me think. I know we get kind of hung up in Christian music, almost to a fault. I think. Well, if our worship isn't right, you know, if our worship isn't right, people aren't going to come. That's hogwash because people are going to go to church because of a hunger for Jesus. Mm. <clears throat> you can play hard rap you can play whatever you want that has jesus in it i don't think the mode of music necessarily is everything i think it's if god's working in the heart of a person mm. they're gonna because i was i was i was in tears for three weeks because i was receiving truth mm. through hymns wow. this is the 70s yeah you know i didn't need uh, motown to get me jacked up no i had i had jesus jacking me up right. just just by truth knowing truth yeah you know that's so cool and i love to hear just how like God started really working in your life when you were in college, mm -hmm. you know, and you know was that's when you really saw like okay, like God is pursuing after me through you know the chaplain and all of this stuff and you know continue to pursue after you and pursue after you until finally you know you yourself kind of said okay like my heart's open to this now like right. what what is this right and then once you start like opening up your heart and receiving it then it's like wow like this is transformational like who Jesus totally. is this is. Mm. This is everything I've been looking for, everything I've been missing. And it's so cool just to hear how it wasn't like, you know, I hear for you, it was, it was like on that drive back, it was like, boom, like, okay. Oh, I can remember. Like God it. is real. Yeah. And this is, this is driving throughout the night. I'm not a night person. Yeah. I was so wide awake. <laughs> uh, my friend's brother was sitting next to me. He's out. And I was just me, the car, and Jesus. And I, wow. I can't explain it, really. It was just this incredible surge of God working in me because wow. when I got home I don't think I ever after I made that decision I never went back to my old places my old friends they became old friends because they thought what happened to Cal because I was inviting him to church and because I was changed yeah no more pornography no more of that garbage even back in the 70s I just didn't feel I went back to my old places I had to get out after about 10 minutes sure because my heart was different. My heart was changed. So, so, you know, we, we've heard about, you know, some of your, your life transformation. And at this point in your story, you're not playing soccer anymore. You know, your, your knee is still kind of hurt. You're not playing soccer anymore, and you've accepted Christ. So from here, like, what, what, what did Cal do next? And what was, you know, like, were you still involved with sports after this time? Or what did that look mm -hmm. like? Well, I was good enough to play recreational sports, not to downplay that, but um, I could still move around. My knee was okay, but I, I played. Uh, well, my salvation was when I went when I went to the first church I went to on Grand Island. Uh, they had a church softball team. So when you guys are doing sports ministry here, man, you keep doing it mm -hmm. because you might have another Cal Kern walking in the door looking for new friends, new fellowship. 
because I had my old buds, my old apartment mates and all that stuff, still stuck in the septic tank of life. And now I had a softball team that loved Jesus. Yeah. And they're great guys. So I, I had, because I know sometimes, you hear it too, where somebody comes to Christ, but they, they're in a group setting where they're not good people. They're still doing the old stuff. You want to do the new stuff. And, but I had some guys that really, really, really were serious about their faith, and we were good. It was always cool beating a bar team. It was neat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, so my, assimilate, my, my sports involvement was still uh, just playing recreation ball, recreation soccer, <laughs> which I wasn't very good anymore. I couldn't move, yeah. but I wanted to play. Sure. Um, rec basketball. We had a church basketball team and soccer team. and sure. So still involved. It was more for the fellowship. And then um, I was coaching young people in soccer and uh, began a family, married my wife, Sherry. I met her in church. Yeah, she she's a blonde, and her dad was the pitcher. <laughs> so wow. i, I got to share this a little bit. But I, I yeah, so I, I'm looking over behind our bench, and then there's this this pretty good-looking blonde lady, and I'm thinking, oh, gee whiz. But remembering my old past, like, no, don't go there. Don't yeah. don't yeah. make the moves. Don't get a phone number and all that stuff. <laughs> so I, she was at every game, found out that her dad was a pitcher, but then I saw her in the choir because church still had a choir. Those are still around. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's singing in the choir. Mm, nice long blonde hair. So, so anyways, yeah, so I just, and then there was a college and career group in my church. So I need fellowship. Yeah. I have the guys, but college and career? Yeah, I'm out of college, but I have a career. I ran a business in Buffalo. There she is again. Okay. I'm going to make a move here. I made the move. Sure enough, she's all about ready to marry a guy, a preacher boy down in Georgia, and wow. we're friends. But then, but then he broke it off. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm making the move. <laughs> I'm going for it. So I, we were friends, went out for coffee and did things like that. So that's when we established our relationship. But, uh, yeah. but God works through the softball team. So, so that's why I'm a believer in sports ministry, especially with churches are doing what you're doing here at Watermark. It's, uh, it's really key. So as far as to answer your question about sports involvement, um, yeah, I coached. I just helped. I love kids. And, and then I began my family with my wife, Sherry. We did get married. Um, and then we had Brett, my son. And then that was a great fit because now my coaching career is now established. When he was four, well, there's always soccer teams that have four-year-old kids. Sure. And so I was his coach right up until um, 10th grade. When yeah. He made the switch from soccer to football, and you know I went from – football to soccer so it's turned out pretty well for him too he's doing all right (laughs) (laughs) he's doing pretty good he's he's doing all right um so so um yeah so when he came i coached him through little league baseball and um mostly mostly soccer but baseball and got bored with baseball um so then i so then he made the move to um i have to share a little little bit of brett hopefully you'll get him one of these days but his story is that he came home after the soccer thing. I said, Dad, Dad, I, I watched the football guys next to me up at the high school. They're terrible. They can't punt kick. Can I do that? <laughs> go. Go for it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. 
do it. And and um, I said, make sure when you break your ties from soccer. Now I was his goalkeeper coach, but you know what? I wanted to see him kick and punt a football, thinking this kid can knock the snot out of a football. He used to do that stuff over over my house. Mm-hmm. He used to punt stuff over my house, thinking, <laughs> and he could just whack it. So I was kind of relieved, and I think he knew that, and I think he was afraid to ask me if he could make the switch because I was his coach. Yeah, afraid of what you might say. Yeah, that, that was kind of it. So so he uh, made the switch, made the break, joined the football team. His first JV game, he was hitting 50-yarders. Oh, my gosh. And then somebody, the old coach from Grand Island was back behind me at Niagara Weefield. He says, by the time you said played a real game. <laughs> Um, oh, so, anyways, he, he, he got pulled up to varsity quickly. It was All-State twice. Wow. Because um, I'm kind of leading up to something here with his faith. So, um, Michigan wanted him. Well, they did, but the guy got fired who wanted him. Mm. Uh, went to Ohio State. They wanted him. He didn't like Ohio State no matter what. <laughs> Note Ohio State. Wow. Yeah. But he did. Uh, he got some other offers. Went to camps. Penn State wanted him. But they already had a punter. He'd have to be a walk-on. So I don't the Big have... Ten wanted him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't have forty thousand bucks to be a backup punter. I mean, sure, this kid can sure. putt. I don't want him to sit on the bench yeah. and just be a backup as much as he loved Penn State. So, out of the blue, Toledo, the Rockets, Matt wow. Conference. It was because we sent out video and tape. He says, "We like the way your son punts in snow." His best video was actually down in Pioneer, down at Arcade. Okay. And you know how it snows wow. down there. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can get 10 feet down there and you can cut grass up here. Yeah. <laughs> so he, 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 um, yeah, so Tulio goes, look, um, we want you to come down here this weekend. We want you to, we, we want to show you around and wine and dine you, basically. And uh, so we went down there and went to a MAC game. There's no one there. Brett goes, I'm not coming here. There's no one here. They're playing Western Michigan. It's the Mac, you know. They already have social distancing in place, you know, <laughs> back before it was Vogue. So, but but the cool, so then we went out to eat with the team, and they take you to the best restaurants, you know, everything. So this coach came over and, and just put a Bible on the table, laid out all the stuff that he uses for his team. And they had an FCA in Toledo. I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Um, there's an alternative to the college garbage that is out there mm. and he um, he changed his mind wow wow he took Toledo over a power five school wow that's God that's yeah, God that's huge now that's so that's gotta be so tough to, be, to make that decision especially at that stage of life when you're so young I wouldn't have made it <laughs> if, yeah, if, if I got power five decision. schools knocking on my door I'm gonna play at Toledo Toledo Ohio yeah uh, Toledo the, what Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've, they've produced decent well, people. But Toledo has a great program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's guys that have, they're in the NFL that were in the NFL. Totally. They came, a very excellent, probably, I think over the long haul, Toledo is probably the best football program, and they still do. Yeah. But he decided, I'm coming here. Because he connected with the people. He connected with the spiritual aspect of it. Wow. Even though his faith, his faith wasn't really his own faith. I think mm-hmm. he knew about Jesus. He went to, we took him to church, Sunday school, and all that stuff. But he didn't have his own faith because when he left Grand Island, went to Toledo, it's party hardy. Totally sure. And if it wasn't for him going to the bathroom at a certain time, he probably would not be in the NFL. Let me explain, because he was in dorm with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what that stuff is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had to go to the bathroom when the cops came in and raided his dorm. 
and he took was some in the bathroom. He was in the bathroom. Wow. And they they took off. They they took some. They arrested some kids. Wow. That could have ended his scholarship. Could have yeah. ended his football career. Toledo. Even though he wasn't involved in it. No. It just, it well, he was there. I mean, it's it's you know how how young people get in trouble just by association by right. being around bad sure. people. You know, been yeah. there, done it. So he was just there because he's a people person, kind of like me. Want to hang out where all the action is, but he. Praise God, he had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so he he um, came back out, and some guys were missing, and they were wow. basically raided. So that was kind of a wake up call. But he, for three out of his four years at Toledo, um, he um, did not walk with God, and he was drinking and partying and doing all that stuff. And uh, finally, somebody on the team said, "I thought you were a Christian." So they knew enough that Brett was a Christian. But that was a wake-up call, and I think he went out partying one night. And he came back, and he was partially blinded because of uh, he was drinking too much. So then, somehow, some way, there was a, a Lutheran pastor in Toledo that befriended Brett, and that changed his life. And that's probably why I do what I do at the University of Buffalo is just befriend guys that are searching for truth, guys that have gone through church through truth but they're just not walking with God. And this Lutheran pastor, real quiet guy, got in his face and challenged him. Every week they would meet at an Arby's, and, and that turned Brett's life around. When that happened and his faith became his own faith, he met his future wife playing recreation softball at Toledo. And wow, what are the answers? Tiff, 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 <laughs> Tiffany. Her name's Tiffany. Recreation softball. You know, man. what is it? You know? <laughs> Here we go. It does, you know? So, so... This his future wife slides into home plate. Wow. Gonna marry her. I'm gonna marry that woman, and they got married. Wow. He said that out loud. I'm gonna marry her. At some point, he, that's what he said. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna marry her at home plate. See, so, you know, softball is you can do it. So, um, but his faith had changed. Now he has his own faith. I think at some point he committed himself to Christ. Sure. And it's kind of ironic. I think. You know, guys want to go to the NFL. They want to play pro ball. They know the Lord. They have faith, but they don't walk with God. And I think in Brett's case, he was a middle-of-the-pack statistically punter for the Mac uh, for three years. His fourth year, like, it just, he exploded 47 points, something or other. Second leading punter in the country was a Ray Guy finalist as a punter. God, like, I think God was just waiting for him to kind of turn it around. And bless him. Not that, you know, I don't tell these guys, well, you take Jesus seriously, you're going to get drafted in the fifth round. It doesn't work that way, but if we want God's blessings, we need to put him first. We need to put him, like, number one. Absolutely. And that's what Brett did. Met Tiff. Uh, five minutes after the seventh round, Denver picked him up. And those are the kind of things that uh, I like to share that story because Brett shares it, too. Um, if he had not put faith first and he would just live the kind of life he was living I wouldn't be sitting here he wouldn't be in the NFL and uh, it's, a t- it's a testimony to God yeah, yeah. We I, have wish, I wish we kept him in Denver though He's no, I know, I know. You're a Broncos fan. Yeah, you know, well, we've been going through punters like Kleenex lately. Well, that's your fault. I <laughs> well, he's with Denver for a year and a half, and then because of um, some NFL politics, he wound up in Tennessee. Mm. That's a yeah. whole nother broadcast. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so kind of 
I mean, does that answer your question, Bjork? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we could keep going, but we want to honor your time and stuff. But um, I guess for you, what what has God been teaching you recently, and how are you still growing in your faith? I think God's been teaching me patience and letting go. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we sing it, we hear it preached surrender it's hard to surrender you know it's tough to I haven't mastered it I preach it I teach it but it's hard to say God just take over Mm. and I've been a believer over 40 years and I'm still working I'm still working that out the surrendering process and not becoming religious not Mm. trying to form my own denomination within my heart it's letting Jesus be Jesus and saying I, I surrender my life, the ministry, my marriage, um, people I'm close to. God, take over. I, I pray that every day. I have to. Because I want to naturally in my flesh, my sin nature, I want to do it. Hmm. I think that's what God's teaching me the most is just this whole COVID thing. Like, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> I, I need to be on campus. I need to be out and about and, and right. doing what I do. I'm not good indoors for a very long time. I've learned to be patient and let God take over. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he's been teaching me, and I think he's going to teach me that until I take my last breath. Yeah. Absolutely. Just growing in faith, what helps me is just reading the Bible. <laughs> Sounds <That's> elementary. <laughs> God, you know what? It works. It, it really works. Like, I f- what does that look like for you? Because I know everyone has a different reading routine. What is? I know. Your- my system is. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going through the Bible one year. That's for me. I've tried it by January 2nd. I messed up. <laughs> you know, where you put, you get sure. two New Testament uh, chapters and uh, an Old Testament. If you read three chapters a day for a year, you read through the Bible one year. I, by January 2nd or 4th, I'm shot because I, it's not me. Right, right. I have a system where I, I like to read a chapter in the morning, like I did this morning, uh, Deuteronomy. Okay, not my favorite book, but. It kicked me in the butt, and then try and do something. I try and do two chapters a day. That's a, my system, and then oh, I cool. read a, a New Testament book and then an Old Testament book. Mm-hmm. It's worked for me for almost 20 years. Wow. So to get both, I'm not into reading systems and reading plans, but I try and create my own discipline totally. to do that. And um, I'll cheat sometimes and do three, some of the smaller Ooh. books. <laughs> God knows, but He knows. But um, basically, try and stay on that course. Yeah, it's. I think sometimes we try and make it more complicated than what it is. Again, not knocking Rita system because I know that works for some people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when I had my when when I had I had a knee replacement uh, four or five years ago to replace the banged up one I just talked about. I mean, I was really sick for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to if I have a reading plan. I'm not going to catch up. I didn't feel like doing anything for yeah. days and weeks. So I try and be really reasonable and practical with it. That's mm-hmm. my system. Yeah. Talk to God a lot. It's hard for me to hunker down. I know people pray for an hour, two hours, three hours. That's a lot. If I can grab 15 minutes, that's yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, but just to try and stay in touch. And yeah, I love that. I think that's so important <clears throat> for our listeners to know, and even for me, just to, to, to reiterate that like we all learn and grow differently. We do. And that's so true. for you, it's doing this. It's doing a chapter or two a day, maybe three if you get crazy. And you know, I know for my mom... She's been going through the Bible 
in a year for the past 15 years. Okay. And that's what works for her. And, you know, for me, Praise the Lord. Like, that's I great. just read one <laughs> book at a time. Yeah. And I'll, you know, journal through it or whatever. And that's what's been working for me recently. It may okay. change in a few years, but that's, and that's, I think that's so important because there's so many different ways to learn that you need to really seek and find what works for you. And mm, what that's is okay. what you need. That is true. So that is true. That's so good. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. 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 So, Cal, thank you so much for being with us today. And we just want to end. Is there, you know, for our listeners at home that they love sports and they may be Christians, they may not be, but what are some of your final thoughts for them? Just maybe some words of wisdom. Um, do you yeah. have any final thoughts for our listeners? One, one word. Just be relational. Relational. Mm. Just relate to people. Because when I was coaching on Grand Island and coaching the different sports teams, um, because I was trying to be relational, and I wasn't preaching Jesus and jamming tracks in their backpacks or anything, but I, they know, they know if you're a believer and you're serious about your faith, it will come out. And I think that wherever we are, by our love. amen, mm-hmm. amen, Absolutely. we may have all the truth, we may have all the answers, but how we relate to people, how we just inflect our voice to people, how we, you know, when the referees make bad calls, ooh, yeah, short little story, we play, I hate playing Sunday morning games. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had a Sunday morning game, it was a tournament, Chictawaga, and um, the referee was like, 300 pounds and he wouldn't move off the middle <laughs> well you gotta move from one box goal box to the other goal box you know yeah. true these are 12 year old kids but I'm really ticked off because I don't want to be here I don't want to coach I want to be I want to be in church but I didn't come to the game with an attitude of being in church well, anyways I had this goalkeeper who was just terrible mm. and and the ball the, the referee called a goal, even though the ball did not cross the line completely. That's the rule. Sure. And I could see this. I have eyes for that stuff. Yeah. And and uh, the, the, the referee goes like this, like, I feel bad for Chris, who's just not a goalkeeper, but nobody else wanted to play goal. Sure. They weren't, they weren't crazy enough. So referee calls a goal. I went ballistic. <laughs> Uh, I went nuts, and I I knew this referee. He's a sweet guy, but he's got to lose a couple pounds so he can move around. I just went off on him. I didn't cuss or swear. And he looked at me like, he, he should have thrown me out of the game. Wow. should have given me a red card. He looked at me like, like, what are you doing? Instead of getting ticked off because I'm just... And the parents were like, is this Cal? Is this Cal? Um... So, anyways, I apologized to the referee, and I apologized to the parents, but they were shocked that I acted that way, which is a testimony to mm. me. I mean, you play a game, we get, you get it's tough. Up. You get fired up when, when, you, when you see bad calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Of course, when I refereed, my calls were all perfect. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> but sure. I, but the two, two people are listening. Um, just be yourself in Jesus. Don't try and be something that... Mm. Just be normal mm. because people are going to see Jesus in you just by the way you treat people and the way you act and the way you respond to things. Mm. Um, it goes a long way. Absolutely. And that, that's true of life. That's so good. Yeah. So yeah. that's we have, we have a saying here at Watermark Wesleyan Church in our kids' ministry. Um, we've got a banner outside, and I can show you after we're done here. But it says, oftentimes the best way for a kid to know Jesus is to know someone who knows Jesus. And I think that is so applicable. And, and it doesn't it have to be a kid. It could be anyone. And I think that is, that is so, that's so powerful. And if, if we can really adopt that for ourselves and say, I am someone who knows Jesus. Right. And the best way for me to talk to 
somebody else who doesn't know Jesus is just to be myself and to love them. And That's through it. me, they can see Jesus. And one day, I hope and pray that they know Jesus for themselves. Because mm-hmm. mm. you may get that out of the nowhere kind of question about um, what makes you who you are. Mm. That door is just wide open to share your faith. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Because they're going to wonder what makes you tick differently than everybody else. Right. Not in a weird way, but just the way you respond to life and mm-hmm. circumstances. So Yeah, that's yeah. so good. That's well, my advice. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Cal. I, I definitely learned a lot, and I hope that our listeners can t- take some out of this as well. It was a pleasure talking to you, and we look forward to talking with your son one of these days, too. We'll see what happens, yeah. Right. Um, and we may have a further conversation about the Bills and the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> well, totally. when, if the Bills play the Titans this year, we'll have to have you back on before that. Just oh, to we see will your talk. Thoughts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank awesome. you so much, guys. Yeah, really appreciate, so much. It. appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Cal, for stopping by. There were so much words of wisdom that you said today, um, one, one of which was just when you were talking about just your journey of driving up to Buffalo from Liberty and just how God really just changed your life in that moment. Um, that, that was just so powerful to me. And, and I think we've all had those moments of where God has just really shaped us and, and really, you know, he even remember the day it was April 17th. So I, that's, that's really amazing that he remembers the day and almost mm-hmm. the hour of that. Bjorn, what were some of your takeaways from, from today with Cal? Yeah, so good. No, it's so fun talking to Cal. He's such a, such a fun guy to talk to and just shoot the breeze with. Um, but the thing that, that really stuck out to me the most, and, and if you guys have listened to other episodes, you'd know that our motto is get it, got it, give it. Um, and very briefly, we don't graduate from any phase of that. We're always getting it. We're always learning, training, growing. Um, we're always giving it. We're always discipling others, teaching others, helping them to grow in their faith. Um, and we just talk about in the sweat room how that relates to our sports life, why we're training and then we're coaching and all that stuff. But I, I loved how uh, Cal talked about how right now he is still learning every day. And he's still growing every day. And he talked about reading, you know, two chapters a day, Old Testament, New Testament, and really how he's still needing to grow in his faith. And and I just love that. Love that posture of learning. Um, Even for Cal, after he's been working in ministry for years and years, for 20-some years, he's still learning and still growing. And I think that's so powerful. And I'll definitely take that to heart because I know there's still a whole ton that I need to learn. Um, and so that living with that posture is just so important. Um, and, and the last thing I just loved when Cal was talking about how God was pursuing after him relentlessly when he was in college at Buff State. Mm. And then as Noah said, in that car ride back after going to Liberty, God is pursuing after you. And if you take time to open up your heart, to listen to what God has for you, to talk with him, he will speak into your life and your life will be transformed. You will transform the renewing of your mind, body, your spirit. You'll become a new person because of who Christ is in you. Next week, everybody, we're so excited to bring you guys from Hockey Ministries International, also known as HMI, Mark Porpilia. The HMI specializes in bridging the gap for hockey players just to share the gospel and spread the good news. Here's a little of our interview with Mark Porpilia. And so uh, it's very suspicious. It has been very suspicious of Christ, uh, the idea that if you come to Christ, you're going to get soft, you're going to get weak. 
Um, I know of a, of a player, uh, NHLer, uh, uh, I believe it was a first-round draft choice, but it was a high-round draft choice, uh, eventually became captain of his team in later years. I mean, so a very you know, well-established uh, hockey player. Um, he actually got let go from his team, and the general manager publicly said it was because, in his words, he found religion. Thank you for listening to the Sweat Room, where we get it, got it, give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesley and Church. 